Welcome to The Inner Circle, the podcast where The Radius Group, a team of experienced wealth advisors, brings you inside the circle of smart financial planning. With a network of industry experts, The Radius Group discusses the latest trends while sharing timeless wealth management techniques. So whether you're looking to optimize your portfolio, minimize taxes, or plan for your future, The Inner Circle is here to provide exclusive and valuable insights. Our guest today is Dan Bittler. Dan is a partner with Robert K. Jones Insurance Agency. He is not affiliated with UBS Financial Services, and his views are his own. Welcome back to another episode of The Inner Circle. I'm Blair Cornell, Managing Director and Private Wealth Advisor with The Radius Group. Today, we're delving into a topic that impacts the lives of so many, Medicare. We're lucky to have with us today a certified insurance counselor, Dan Bittler, who is a partner with Robert K. Jones Insurance Agency. In my hometown of Kettering, Ohio, Dan is here to help us demystify the complexities of Medicare and provide you with insights that can truly make a difference. So, whether you're approaching retirement, looking out for a loved one, or simply seeking to expand your understanding, this episode is for you. Dan, I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Blair. I look forward to speaking to you about some of this stuff. It's an honor to be here. That's great. Though, let's just jump right in. Let's start by breaking down some of the fundamental terms that are often used, maybe that cause some confusion, which can be often seen a lot these days. Yeah, there's a lot of terms out there. And some of those terms are like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, CMS, all those things that get confusing. And the biggest thing I'll say is that, you know, Social Security is the people that write the checks for people who are retired. Medicare is health insurance for people over the age of 65 or disabled. It's health care for those type of people, where Medicaid is for people who have very low income, no assets. So a lot of times people get confused, Medicare, Medicaid. Um, Medicaid is when there is really no assets and it's the last thing before basically being on the street. And then CMS is the government entity that goes around all of those things and controls that. Yeah, that's helpful. I think a lot of people get confused with Medicare or Medicaid and kind of what that difference is. Um, In fact, now that we understand those basics, why don't we actually explore when individuals become eligible for Medicare? Well, there's really three times you can become eligible for Medicare. And the most common for people is when they turn 65. And it's the first of the month that you turn 65, unless your birthday is the first of the month, then it's the month prior. So if my birthday was on March 1st, I'd be eligible February 1st for Medicare. There's a couple other ways you can get Medicare if you are considered totally disabled. Um, It's difficult to apply for, but when you get Social Security approved, then you get Medicare two years after that. And then the other thing is if you've been diagnosed with end-stage renal disease, kidney failure, or if you have uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. And those are very unique circumstances that you should sit down with somebody and talk about when that eligibility occurs. Okay, so so Dan, the, one of the most common questions other than what's Medicare and what's Medicaid and the difference is what's covered under Part A and what's covered under Part B? Well, the first thing I'll say is, is that don't kill yourself on trying to understand that. Part A is your inpatient hospital care, and it also covers skilled care when you're in a nursing home and you're going to get better. Um, like if you broke your hip and you just needed some help getting around until you're back to where you can go home. Part B is all your doctor care, okay? And then I'm going to go a step further, and Part D is your prescription drug care. So even if you're in an inpatient setting, the doctor, when they walk in the room or um, start the surgery, they're still billing Part B. From a standard person, they really don't need to understand that. It's Medicare. So as long as you have A and B, it's going to take care of everything. 
Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I bet that's confusing when you talk to people how they get easily torn apart on that one. Many people get wrapped up in yeah. it, and it really there's no reason to. Um, you know, you either have Medicare or if you don't. Who cares if it A is paying it or B is paying it? Yeah, as long as you have the coverage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So now that we have a little clearer picture of the core parts of Medicare, let's compare the options for additional coverage. And maybe you can help give us some insights into supplements and Medigap policies. Yeah, and once again, we're throwing around a lot of terms. And Medigap and supplement are synonymous, generally speaking. And um, basically what they do is they do exactly what it says, supplement. So when that Part A or Part B of Medicare pays, then the supplement just goes on top of that. And it picks up those deductibles and the extra costs where you can look at like a supplement. Sorry, the the supplements have different letters. So they run from A through N. Mm -hmm. Um, Most common is supplement letter G as in golf. And G basically covers everything other than the Part B deductible, which is $226. So if you get a supplement, it's basically going to pick up everything other than a deductible. The other great thing is Medicare doesn't have a network, so you can virtually go to any doctor or hospital in the country and don't have to worry about whether the doctor or the hospital, what facility is in or out of network. So it makes it very easy. You just go to a facility, Medicare pays the claims, and then the supplement follows right along. The supplement doesn't make any decisions about anything. It says, oh, Medicare approved it. I got to pay my portion. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Well, one question, too, that I have for you is along the lines of prescription drugs, and that plays a crucial role in Medicare. I think almost everybody I know seems like they're on a prescription drug. And so maybe let's dive into that. That'd be Part D? Part D. Okay. Um, But then there's other plans that have it integrated in there called Advantage plans that we'll get to in a minute here. Okay. But if you purchase a supplement, you do have to get a Part D plan to cover prescriptions. And these premiums can range as low as like six or seven dollars a month, up to you know eighty to hundred, depending on the medications you take. Each plan has its own formulary. So what I mean by that is that you have to make sure your medications are covered by that plan, and you got to find the plan that's going to best cover them, because not every medication is covered by every plan. And then the second part is is that not every pharmacy is covered by every plan. So certain pharmacies only work with certain carriers. So you got to find the plan that's going to cover your pharmacies, and that's also going to cover your medications most efficiently. One of the common things I hear is that people are like, well, I don't, I'm not on any medications, or I'm on a very inexpensive medication. I just won't need that coverage. I would tell them to at least purchase the minimum cheapest policy out there so that they don't get a penalty that will follow them the rest of their life. So even if they don't need it, at least go get the little yeah. cheap policy so that at open enrollment next year, if they do end up on some medications – then they can get that. I, that one of the funnest conversations or have, or maybe ironic conversations I have is just let me know when something bad's going to happen the day before it's going to happen. And I can make everything perfect for you, but <laughs> yeah, it's insurance. Right. We just don't know when yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, nobody likes to pay for insurance until they need it, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's go kind of keep talking about those options because it's important to know all of the options, but it's also equally as important, if not the most important to know, really, how do we enroll? So maybe you can help us understand how the timing of that all works and when you enroll for Medicare. I know you've always told me you get really busy yes. in the fall, and I don't think I really truly understand the timing of how it all works yet. So enrollment, basically, when you turn 65 is the most common enrollment, um, and you're able to enroll in Medicare Part A and B three months prior to that. So you know, once again, if my birthday was in April and I was going to be in April 1st Medicare, 
I would be able to start enrolling in January and start doing the work. And the work is basically just going online to Social Security's website and applying for Medicare. Once you get Medicare, then you need to work with a professional to figure out, do I want a supplemental plan and a prescription drug plan, or do I want an Advantage plan? And Mm -hmm. I know we didn't mention much about Advantage plans, but that basically takes a form of that supplemental and that prescription drug plan and wraps it into one private insurance carrier. Okay. So you have to make those decisions of, do I want a supplement that might be more expensive and have no network, or do I want an Advantage plan that has co-pays and deductibles and a network that could be an HMO, which has very limited um, doctor, could have limited doctor options, especially outside the state. Okay. So you want to consider that when you're traveling. Interesting. Okay. That, that's very helpful. The, the other piece on that is the open enrollment period. Mm-hmm. So every year from October 15th through December 7th, if you're on a prescription drug plan or you're on an advantage plan, you have to re-choose that plan and make sure it fits you for the next year. All those plans change. Deductibles go up, prescriptions come off the formulary, doctors come on and off. So you have to really review that and make sure you have the right plan going forward for the next year. So three months prior to our 65th birthday yep. is when we can apply. And then every year after that would be in the October, November timeframe. You got it. Okay. I think I can remember that. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully I don't have it for a little while, not quite 65 yet, but yeah. I certainly work with plenty of individuals that are. So I want to make sure I'm getting the right information. With all the baby boomers and stuff, yeah. it's amazing how many people are just coming over every every day Yes, Medicare eligible. I would imagine. Okay. So we've covered a lot already, Dan, um, but there are some important points I think we'd still need to address about coverage. And Dan, can you help us to understand what's not covered by Medicare? And maybe that would be helpful because- I'm sure a lot of people listening are going to be thinking, well, what exactly is covered and what's not covered? Yeah, that's very important. And the big one um, is long-term care. Um, so this is a situation where you, you can no longer perform what they call six or two of the six ADLs, activities of daily living. Um, and then you need somebody to help you, you know, get dressed, go to the bathroom, make meals, those type of things, get up, you know, out of the bed. Um, Medicare is not going to help you with that. And so you're in a situation where you need to look at long-term care insurance, or something out of pocket that you've planned with, with hopefully you, Blair, mm-hmm. um, and your clients planning on how that need may be there because Medicare is not going to be there to help, and they're going to make you just spend all that money down. They need to use their assets or a long-term care insurance policy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And there's options out there, you know, so just make sure that, you know, you're working with a professional that can help you with that. Okay. Um, foreign travel is another big one. I um, hear that, yes. yes. So um, if you travel outside the U.S., now – uh, the U.S. territories are considered part of the U.S., but please remember Canada is a different country. I, <laughs> I run into many people who go to fishing trips in Canada and forget they just left yeah, the country. Yeah, I bet. Um, but um, if you go outside the U.S. or Canada, there's generally very there, – there is no coverage by Medicare. Some of the Advantage plans will provide like $100,000 of coverage, and the supplement will provide some coverage, but it's not enough. You need to purchase a travel policy, and there's a lot of different options, whether you buy a, a single trip, accident policy, or you, if you travel multiple times throughout the year, you can get a multi-trip policy. And I mean, a multi-trip policy for somebody in their sixties is 250 bucks a year and they can go unlimited amount of trips. Oh wow! So it's, it's very affordable to have that million dollars in evacuation coverage and everything else on that. Yeah. And is, can they buy that any time of year? Yes, you can buy it. So you buy it generally the first time you're going to do a trip and then you got it for the whole year. If you got multiple trips. Okay. Generally, if you have more than two trips a year, it makes sense to look at the multi-trip policy. Okay. 
Um, hearing aids is another big one. That's a hot topic, and there's been a lot of conversation about trying to get that into Medicare, but it's not there yet. So um, you're not going to get any hearing aid coverage, no dental coverage, and no vision coverage. Um, now, Medicare will pay for cataracts because that's a, a doctor type thing, but not just your regular refraction and glasses and contacts and those type of things. Mm-hmm. Now, some of the Advantage plans will add the dental, hearing aids, and vision back in there, but please don't get don't get so focused on the vision, dental, and hearing. Those are not the things that are going to bankrupt you if something really bad happens. Um, so sometimes people get all focused on that and buy an Advantage plan that's maybe got a little better of those benefits. When if something really bad happens, like they end up on dialysis or they have a heart attack, they're going to regret being on that type of an Advantage plan. I see. Okay. So Dan, I, I have to ask too, with every, with people living longer and many people working longer, even those approaching retirement age, but maybe still in the workforce, are there specific considerations to keep in mind? And if so, can you tell us a little bit about those? Yes. Um, most people aren't retiring till 67, their full social security retirement age anymore. And so what we're seeing is, is they have to make a decision when they turn 65. Do they continue on their employer group health insurance? Do they drop their employer group health insurance and go on Medicare? Um, There's a lot of different choices you have to make. And what I recommend doing is when you turn 65, make that a point to talk to somebody to make sure you're making the right decision. There's things about whether or not your current coverage is considered credible. There, there's, are you, do you work for an employer that employs less than 20 people? Do you work for an employer that employs over 20 people? All those factors play into whether Medicare is primary or secondary. So generally what I find is a five-minute conversation with somebody can solve that. And a lot of times it's, hey, you don't have to do anything. Or, oh, yes, you should still pick up Medicare Part A or Part B. It just depends on everybody's situation. So a quick five-minute conversation can solve a lot of problems and avoid a lot of penalties down the road. Yeah, just a little bit of planning goes a long way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, Dan, before we wrap up, let's talk about some options for those looking to retire before age 65 and just any other options that maybe relates to them. The joys of health insurance, to say the least. And it is is a messy market out there right now. So if you are retiring... There's a lot of different options to look at. If you are um, 63 and a half or older, I would highly recommend you consider COBRA. COBRA is simply an extension of your current health insurance. So you're able to pay for it. And one of the common things I hear is COBRA is expensive. In the grand scheme of things, COBRA is really not that expensive. It's the full amount of what the employer was paying. Mm -hmm. And so now you're on the hook for the full amount. And the nice thing about that is, is you're going to get the quality network you're used to having with that health insurance, generally a lower deductible. And you can just pay that for the 18 months that you're able to stay on medic, I'm sorry, stay on COBRA for. Mm -hmm. And then when you turn 65, you jump right on to Medicare. Now, obviously people are wanting to retire earlier than that. And there are different things. Number one is maybe you want to look at your spouse's coverage, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, Blair, you're retiring and your your wife isn't yet and she's working for somebody that you could jump on their yeah. coverage on. Um, that's an option. Another option is healthcare.gov. Healthcare.gov is really the only place right now that you can purchase an individual policy that has true catastrophic coverage, meaning that if you had cancer or you had a heart attack, you know, you had to have a transplant, that it would pay an unlimited amount of money to take care of you. So um, healthcare.gov is complicated. 
It's all HMOs, meaning that the, generally it's going to have a limited network, so you got to be very careful about that. Mm. So I encourage people, talk to a professional, myself included, about healthcare.gov, and we can see if we can help you out if you're retiring prior to age 63. There are also short-term plans. I do not recommend these at all, unless you're like 64 and a half, so you only got a six-month window, then those might make sense. But short-term plans sound really good. They're very inexpensive, but they do not cover any pre-existing conditions. And secondly, you ha- they don't renew. So if you buy a plan and you're healthy, great. And then let's say something happens three or four months in there. Um, you get coverage and everything's okay, but then two more months, your coverage runs out. You have to reapply for the plan and you're going to get denied because now you have a medical issue and now you're stuck. And since it's not credible coverage, you can't just go buy a plan on healthcare.gov like a lot of people think. Healthcare.gov has an open enrollment period also. So you can be stuck uninsured if you do the short-term plan. Short-term plans are great when you have a gap in coverage. And then the other thing some people like to talk about is the uh, medical sharing plans, um, MediShare, Christian sharing plans. I've had a lot of people have success with them. I just like to say buyer beware a little bit. They, they do have what they call Christian morals in there. So that what, that what I mean by that is let's say, you know, you had a daughter who was 18 and they got pregnant out of wedlock, then that would not be covered. If you had a couple drinks and drove and got in a bad accident, that would not be covered. They will not cover you if they find out that you were smoking or, you know, anything like that. So you have to be careful that you meet their things or you could be in a situation that's not covered. Secondly, it's not health insurance. It's a sharing program. So it's not backed by the Department of Insurance. So we really have no good marker to know if there's enough assets back there to cover it. And so if there's no money out there, then there's no money to pay the claims. But those are kind of the most common things people choose if they're not quite at Medicare age yet. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. It sounds like if you can, just try to bridge the gap with your existing employer to try to get you over that finish line, just keeping everything in a good simple state that you've been used to. Yeah. 63 and a half is a magic date if you can make it happen. Yeah. But if it's not, let's talk through it and find the right solution. Yeah. That makes sense. Dan, this has been great. I'm sure everybody listening has found it informative uh, and definitely good use of time like I have. If people wanted more information, how would they get your contact? Would it be easiest just to let them know that right now? Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, So there's multiple ways you can get a hold of me. Uh, The first way is just call my office, 937 294-2600. That's 937-294-2600. You can go to our website, which is rkjones, J-O-N-E-S, and then I-N-S, like insurance.com, or email me at dan.bitler, B-I-T-L-E-R, at rkjonesins.com. And I I just wanted to say, Blair, it's been a real pleasure to be able to share this. Um, Medicare is complicated, but we can make it very easy. And so if there's one thing that everybody could get out of this is when you're at age 65, it's time to ask somebody to make sure you're making those right decisions. You may not have to do anything, but at least get a plan in place. That's great, Dan. I appreciate the insight and all of your information today. I know it's going to be helpful for a lot of people. You're welcome. Well, there you have it, folks, a truly enlightening discussion on Medicare. Thanks to our wonderful guest, Dan Bittler. I want to extend a heartfelt thank you to Dan for sharing his expertise with us today. If you found this episode as informative as I did, be sure to share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. And make sure to stay connected by subscribing to the Inner Circle podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
or by visiting our website at advisors.ubs.com forward slash radius, where you can stay informed with our latest episodes and exclusive content. Remember, knowledge is power, and we're here to empower you. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Inner Circle. Until next time, this is Blair signing off. Today's episode features financial advisors with UBS Financial Services Incorporated, a subsidiary of UBS Group AG, member FINRA, SIPC, located at 3601 Rigby Road, Miamisburg, Ohio, and can be reached at radiusgroup at ubs.com. This podcast is presented for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. It does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any specific product or service. UBS does not provide legal or tax advice, and we would recommend listeners to obtain appropriate independent professional advice. Some of the views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Group AG or its affiliates. UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC registered broker dealer. These services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review client relationship summary provided at ubs.com forward slash relationship summary.